Good to be with you this morning here as we get into our day. And, uh, you know, in the last week, I think there have been some people that have celebrated birthdays. And um, Stephanie was one of those, uh, turning 36. Um, I know she's laughing at me as I say that um, because I don't think that is true at all. Uh, but anyway, uh, happy birthday belated to you. Others, we always, we always like to, uh, acknowledge people's birthdays and significant things when we, when we remember them, when we know about them. And, uh, so I just want to give that little acknowledgement. We, we do this live in the mornings. Anybody that's listening to the podcast or watching YouTube or 
Facebook later on. And we need to understand that, that this is a live deal at 6 a.m. So uh, names that I mention are not fictitious. They are real people. Uh, and all of them are harmed in the making of this production. No, I'm kidding. Um, just having a little bit of fun here. Um, so those that are listening later, that, that's why you hear me talk about names or I'll mention somebody in the comments or something like that because uh, this is a live gathering and we record it and share it so that other people can benefit. Uh, shared via YouTube shared via Twitter, shared via LinkedIn, shared via, did I say Facebook um, already? Shared via, via uh, a variety of different podcast outlets. So those of you listening in a little bit later on, you get the full effect of uh, the live broadcast in this person acting just pretty normal for himself, actually. So, hey, today I want to talk to you uh, I'm still not back into teaching through a book of the Bible. But I might not get back there for a little bit. Uh, but today I want to talk to you about the, a theme of lessons from the field. Uh, it's one of the places I thought about going yesterday, and we didn't go there. But there are things that Jesus would do. I mean, Jesus was a, was the master teacher. And Jesus could could point to an object. He, he was a object lesson teacher, he could point to an object and say, well, let me teach you about the birds in the air. Let me teach you about the, the grass over there in the field, or uh, let me teach you about the harvest that's out there. And um, let me teach you about the farmer and, and what there is from, from the farmer. And that's what he did often is he would, he would use uh, object lessons to communicate truth. And one of the object lessons that, that I want us to consider uh, it may fit within our own lives directly, uh, but also uh, it helps us to think about, um, you know, when there is fallout in, in the life of Christendom, when there is uh, fallout in the life of the church. Now, sometimes, unfortunately, it comes for bad reasons. It comes because of uh, bunged up, uh, bungled up um relational things, uh, structural things, organizational things, uh, and sometimes that is a reason or people get their feelings hurt when they shouldn't have had to, uh, and that is all unfortunate when that happens. However, I want to point out something that Jesus had to say about people, uh, about growth, uh, about their continued participation in the work of the kingdom, and that is found in Matthew chapter 13, uh, and, and I want to take you there so we can look at the parable of the sower uh, just to understand uh, the fact that, that there are people who will come and people who will go. As a pastor, I mean, I, I can really struggle sometimes with, you know, when you hear someone has is, is gone away because of some reason, um, be it you know, you don't have enough kids workers or I don't like the music or it's too hot or it's too cold or they don't serve the right type of coffee or they use the wrong version of the Bible or yada, 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 blah, 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 blah. Uh, though all those things can be thrown out there as reasons. And often the reality is we're not pushing people to grow and that's why they stop coming. But sometimes it's for lots of worldly reasons, and 
And Jesus will talk about that in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, and so I take us there so we can consider in our own lives, but then also consider in the life of being a discipler, a disciple maker, an organized church. It says, the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. So, okay, here's Jesus. He went out, sat down, too many people, so he got in a boat, pushed out, so he could get a little bit of distance and, and be able to amplify just a little bit more uh, of his voice by being out in the boat. And it says, then he told him many things in parables, saying uh, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Now, I, I was talking to somebody one day, and they said, well, that farmer wasn't really being very careful, was he, because he was getting seed. Well, if you use a broadcast seed method, it just it throws the seed out in this like in this direction. It's being broadcast out. And um, so it would get along the path. It would make it among the rocks. It would end up in the weeds. It's just a very natural, normal, anybody that's ever broadcast seeded anything would know exactly what I'm talking about. Because somebody said to me, well, he wasn't being very careful, and you'd think a farmer would be much more careful. You just don't understand uh, the nature of scattering seed. I mean, there's planting corn, there's planting oats direct, directly into the ground, that type of thing. But often the scattering of seed, like grass seed, uh, and that would have been perhaps the methodology in their day to scatter the seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path. The birds came and ate it up. Uh, then it goes on and says, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. And Jesus concludes this way. He said, he who has ears, let him hear. Now, the disciples were somewhat perplexed that he was speaking in parables. So uh, continuing on here in the passage, uh, it says the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Now, this is a hard saying, a hard saying that, that you know, those that get it are going to get more, but those that don't get it are going to lose even what they have. Um, we'll work our way down through this, this parable. Uh, he says, this is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. I mean, they, they they might look like they're seeing. They might look like they're understanding. They might nod their head in agreement that, yes, this these things are true and these things are real, but they still don't really understand. And hopefully everybody listening understands the gospel, understands the necessity of your need of a relationship with Jesus Christ, understands that, that, that being surrendered to him as Lord 
changes everything that he calls the shots in our lives. And so we, we look to him, we wait upon him. We trust in him. So whoever has to be given more, he'll be having abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has to be taken from him. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. He goes on and says, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. He's talking about people who who might might handle God's truth, who might handle the word of God, but they still don't understand. And and they keep looking, they're hearing, they're looking, but they're really not understanding what it means to live a life surrendered to Christ. Because on in verse 15, for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly see with their ears. I mean, they hardly hear with their ears and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear. Now, now, what does he mean in this verse about the prophets? I mean, they were looking forward to the fulfillment of prophecy about Messiah. That's what he's talking about. They were they were looking for the coming of Christ. They they were looking to hear the sound of Christ's voice. They were looking forward to hearing the teaching that Jesus would give. They were looking for all of that. The, the, the righteous people, the righteous men, the prophets, they longed for it. The people in Jesus' day were now hearing it but not understanding it. This is what Jesus is saying. He continues on and says this. Listen to what the parable means. Let me... Let me uh, read it. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the got the wrong. There we go. Put this back up there. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone uh, hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word with the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Um, I, I don't think that we looked at this yesterday. I looked at it later on with the prayer group at 930. But just just work our way down through this parable. I mean, there are people who will come into our lives, people who will come into the life of the church. Um, they're, they're not going to get it. Uh, they don't understand it. They, they walk in and it's just like blinders on their eyes. And, and you know, I, I know people that will bring people to church and want them to understand, but it's, it's evident that they're just not understanding it. Uh, and the little bit that they do understand, it says that uh, 
uh, it gets snatched away. The evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. So there, there's a sowing. There is, in fact, a sowing in the heart. The communication of the word of God is taking place and, and it's sowing into the, the heart, into the life of the listener. Uh, but what it says is the evil one comes and takes it away. That's the seed sown along the path. We need to understand that just because someone comes and hears doesn't mean they're going to understand. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I look out at the crowd of people on a Sunday morning uh, or other times when I might be speaking, uh, and, and I'm looking to, into their eyes to see, are they getting this? Now, Not that you can always tell, but then sometimes afterwards in the conversation, uh, it's it's evident whether this really made sense to somebody, whether whether it really really connected with them, or whether it just wasn't there. I mean, they'll talk about vague Christian things or vague Bible things, but the people that that this really lights into, that really the seed really takes root in their life. I mean, their conversation is such that you understand their their trust in Christ. They understand uh, how how it is that they will. Uh, understand the word of God and make application of it to their life. So we just need to know if you are a disciple maker, I mean, if you were a preacher or a pastor, you need to know that there are going to be people who come in, people who listen, people who do not understand because the Holy Spirit needs to illumine them and they need to soften their hearts. And there will be people that the evil one will come and snatch away what was sown. It's going to happen. Then there's a second group that he talks about. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. Again, there will be people that that will come into uh, the life of the church through any number of different mechanisms they might attend a worship service. They might come to an outreach event. They, they might even bow their knee to Jesus. They might go up to the front and bow their knee to Jesus. And we get all excited and hallelujah and, and shout to the Lord. Um, but sometimes, and I, I have a person in mind in the last four, five, six years here that, that came and did that, and yet even though we worked to try to get them rooted, uh, did not get rooted and and fell away. And you notice what it says. Uh, the man who received the seed that fell on the rocky places, the man who hears the word at once receives it with joy. So, so we see them receiving it. And yes, and we get so excited to see that. But since he has no root, now I, I want to talk about two aspects of this rooting. One is uh, the, the, uh, the importance of a disciple-making church to seek to get people rooted. Now, people who just want to come to church but don't want to be a part of a study, who don't want to meet one-on-one, who who push back from that are, might be people who are just surface, shallow people who might not get root. I mean, the question for a church to ask is, are we providing opportunities to help people get rooted? That's the question we have to answer. And churches have to answer, you know, or are we just having this uh, worship service or or are we providing opportunities so this fall one of the opportunities that we'll be providing is the opportunity to participate in the uh walk like jesus study it's 50-day study it'll be 10 weeks of study that you'd get to participate in uh five days of study a week plus a small group and uh 
to try to help you be more rooted in living like Jesus. If we don't offer that, then it's on us. But if we offer things like that or we offer courses after church, uh, workshops and seminars, and if we offer opportunities or if we offer men's studies or women's studies and people do not avail to themselves themselves of that, then at least we can we can answer the question. We have done what taken steps that we need to take to try to get people rooted. Now, sometimes it's a case of trying to meet with people one on one. Uh, but also people need to avail themselves. But since he has no root, the idea of a person not getting rooted, the church has to answer the question, are we providing the opportunities for people to get rooted? But then people have to avail themselves of that. And, and for me as a pastor, that that is one of the great frustrations along the way that there are people who need to get rooted, but they don't they don't seem to be able to make the time. And, and notice, uh, and we'll, we'll get into the thorns in just a moment, Verse 21 says this, this person along the rocky place, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. There's no root there. There's lots of joy, but but when it gets hard, they fade away and go back to the old ways. Verse 22, he speaks about the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. So the worries of this life. We and so what happens with us? And I mean this 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 cuts cuts to the quick in many ways. What happens is we've we've put more on our plate than we should have on our plate. The worries of this life, the worries about how do I make more money? Uh I mean, that's, that's, that's a real worry. That's a real concern. We, we need to make more money. That's one of the things that I'm thinking about. Um, you know, I, how to pay for the variety of different things that I do. I mean, I, I, I make a decent living. I'm not uncomfortable money stretch imagination, but you know, it costs several hundred dollars to buy books, uh, every year. And, uh, uh, to go to places like Israel or Turkey or places like that for not, not just for my own education, but for the education of others and, and global networking or to be able to get on an airplane and go to Africa and visit with our friends in Kenya and how can we help them or to go to the Philippines and how can we help them or go to uh, Colombia with Jacob and, and meet people down there and say, how can we help them? Um, it all takes money. Uh, so, but we can get caught up in the money. So when uh, what happens, verse 22 talks about the worries of this life. I mean, the worries of our families, the worries of our children, the worries of our grandchildren. Sometimes we can get out of kilter with, with our wives or our husbands. We can get out of kilter with our, with our children and our grandchildren. And all of a sudden, the family has greater place in our life than does our faith. And... Uh, Again, you've heard me say this before. I mean, I'm grateful for the ministry of Focus on the Family and, and what it's done, done over its, I don't know, 40 or 50 years of existence. But one of the messages that I think we got out of that was we placed family ahead of faith. And when I read the Gospels, it seems to me we're supposed to place faith ahead of family because then we need to model for the family what it means to live in faith. So the worries of this life our family, the worries of this life, climbing the corporate ladder, the worries of this life, uh, how am I going to pay my bills? 
I mean, these are very, very real worries that we have. Uh, but, but the thorns can choke out the faith that is in us. And then it talks about the deceitfulness of wealth. I mean, how much is enough? How much more do we need? And, and, and wealth, and, and it's interesting that the Apostle Paul, writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, will also deal with this theme because he was watching people who were growing in wealth, not in generosity, growing in wealth and watching their faith be choked out. I mean, these are the words of Jesus that we're looking at. So the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke it, making it unfruitful. Then he gets into verse 23. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands the word. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. I mean, do we understand it? We need to pray, Lord, help us understand the word. Help us to apply the word. Help us to live the word. That needs to be the prayer of our hearts. I want us to understand something. I have people who say, well, you know, the church isn't all about numbers. Well, that's true. Yes, sort of, kind of. So what do you do with verse 23? The one who received the seed that fell on good soils, the man who hears the word and understands it. Why didn't Jesus just stop there? Why didn't he just say, well, he he received it, he understood it, and just stop? No, Jesus goes further and says he produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. I mean, just the idea that... that um, there's a yielding. There's a fruitfulness. Uh, what what get measured? What what gets measured gets attention. Uh, and so there's an aspect here of Christ measuring, Christ counting, Christ talking about the production of a crop and what should be produced. And and you know, again, to the people who say, well, numbers don't count. Well. It seems to me that there's counting that take, took place in the Bible. Um, there, there's the counting of, of what's the yield, 160, 30 times what was sown. I mean, he doesn't say that only yielding 30 times is bad. I mean, there's another parable back in Matthew 25 that talks about the the, the talents. And uh, I don't want to mix metaphors. I'm going to stay on the, the farm motif. But but the talents that were given and the, the ones who were um, rewarded uh, the ones who were commended for what they did with their talents were the ones that took them and multiplied them. So even there, Jesus, the, the person that took it and buried it, didn't do much with it, was was condemned. There's commendation and there's condemnation. So we need to be asking ourselves, what type of fruit am I bearing for the kingdom of Christ? That's the question. Um, question is asked, is there any significance uh, of the multiple factor descending instead of ascending? I'm sure there is, Don, uh, but I don't know off the top of my head. I mean, maybe he starts with the top saying, look, this is awesome. It's a hundred time production. Well, 60 is okay. Well, we'll take 32. I, 
you know, 30 also. I mean, I, I, I could read it in that way. Now, we could put this into the, um, let's put this into the message paraphrase uh, and see what it has to say to us. Uh, here we go. Study this story, the farmer planting seed. When anyone hears the news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface, so the evil one comes along and plucks it right out of that person's heart. This is the seed the farmer scatters on the road. The seed cast in the gravel is the person who hears and instantly responds with enthusiasm. But there is no soil of character, so when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there's nothing to show for it. The seed cast in the weeds is the person who hears the kingdom news, but the weeds of worry and the illusions about getting more and wanting everything under the sun strangle what was heard and nothing comes out of it. The seed cast on the good earth is the person who hears and takes in the news and then produces a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. Now, Peterson doesn't uh, ascribe a number as do all the other, I mean, as do the translations, the translations, all of them will ascribe that number, 160, 30. Um, Peterson just simply talks about uh, producing a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. And so, I mean, I think any of us could ask ourselves the question, what are we producing? You know, should we feel bad if it's 30%? Well, you should feel bad if it's 0%. That's when we should feel badly. Should we feel badly if it's a 60%? No. I mean, are we yielding? How is our life yielding production for Jesus? Uh, what do we produce? Well, it might be the production of righteousness. It might be the production of the fruit of the Spirit. It might be the production of mutual encouragement of one another in the faith. I mean, that that could be another aspect of what fruit, I mean, does, does my life cause your life to be more filled with faith? Does my life cause your life to, to love God more? Does my life cause your life to have greater joy? Uh, does my life cause you cause you and your life to, to want you to live for Jesus more? I mean, those are the things that we could be asking, the production. But then there's also the production of, uh, of uh, seeing people come to faith in Christ and grow in faith in Christ. And this parable of the sower, I mean, I, I, I think what one of the things I want us to understand is the fact that uh, is the fact that there are uh, there will be people who will walk away. There will be people who don't get it. There will be people who don't understand. Uh, I also want us to to get, and I think the Lord wants us to get out of this. Uh, the reality that we would have a burden, that we would would press in upon people that we know uh, and not let them settle to just kind of live this vaguely Christian life. I mean, I, I think that is another thing that, that we, we would press in on people. I mean, the, the call of the Christian life is full on. It isn't it isn't just part way. It is it is fully, fully, fully uh, pressed in. Uh, on us, that we would die to self and live to Christ, and He would increase, we would decrease. Uh, we would take up our cross daily and follow Him. That we would love Him above all else. So, just going that far. Now, I, I'm going to go to one more parable, simply because it is right here in the text. There is the parable of the weeds. Um, 
in Matthew 13. And there's the parable of seed and leaven. Let's talk about those. Uh, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, do you, didn't you sow good seed in the field? Then where did these weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you were pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. I mean, what's he talking about here? Well, sometimes it's like we need to eradicate people out of the life of the church because uh, of the negative influence. And Jesus basically says, don't don't bother. Just just let them be there. Let them grow up. Let them let them be among the, the wheat because in the effort to maybe pluck somebody out, what may happen is um, it will be disruptive and destructive to the wheat that is growing as well. So leave it alone. I mean, that that seems to be what he's saying. The evil one will come and, and, and sow among uh, the wheat. He will sow. It's what's called the tares, the the uh, King James Version, and I think perhaps maybe the New, New American Standard Bible talk about the tares, the wheat and the tares. This simply calls it the weeds because that's a word that we understand. He says, don't pluck it up. Leave it there and uh, let it grow. Uh, and in the end, it will all get sorted out. That's the thought. Now, there's one more uh, in this section that, that I want to bring out. Uh, and then there's some explanation. In fact, let me get down to the, the parable of the weeds explained. Um, he left the crowd, went to the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. He who has ears, let him hear. So, I mean, he, he gives this explanation. Uh, about what will happen in the end. The parable, the hidden treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field because he understood the value of of what he was buying. And, and there's more and more. More here, I mean, the kingdom of heaven is like, and this this is a repeated phrase that Jesus gives, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. And, and the kingdom of heaven, the, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, uh, we could parse this out, kingdom of heaven future, kingdom of Christ now, 
generally speaking, he's talking about the kingdom. It just means the, the kingdom of Christ, uh, whether in the current age, uh, in its imperfection, or in the age to come where it will be perfect. Um, but what the kingdom of heaven is like and how we, how we, uh, how we are to live. Lessons from the farmer, lessons from the field, things that we have looked at here uh, to understand that not all seed that we plant or that is planted is going to grow, to understand that there are going to be weeds that are going to grow up among us, uh, to understand that we would have a desire to to bear fruit for Christ, that we would bear a harvest, whether it's 160 or 30-fold, that we'd be fruitful for our master. Um, those are some of the lessons that we get out of this passage. Now, I want to go over, there are some comments. Uh, each one is to produce good seed. We need to water and attend to the seed and others. When I got saved, I attended church but didn't know how to apply the word to my life. I struggled with knowing if there was really anything real to God, church, etc. After months, I went to the pastor with my struggle who began a Bible study with me and saved my walk with Christ. We must become disciples to each other. And, and exactly, we need to disciple other people. Now, to the point I was making earlier, uh, if, if we offer all of that to somebody, if we offer the Bible study to somebody, if we uh, if we invite someone to two or three different small groups and they always say no and never seem to be able to have time, I mean, that's really on them. The question we have to ask ourselves is, are we availing ourselves? Are we inviting somebody? I mean, having devotions, having prayer time, it might be just a case of, uh, inviting somebody to do that with us. Okay, let's just let's sit down. We'll read the Bible together. We'll spend 30 minutes together. We're going to read the Bible and discuss what it what it means and try to understand it. And you pray and ask the Holy Spirit to to help you understand and, and to take God's word and burn it into your hearts and your minds that you might know it. So, uh, and Nell's exactly right. I mean, one of the failures of the church, I think, is that we, we're, we get all excited for the... Um, for getting people saved, for seeing people become saved and born again, uh, but it's like that's the end point. No, I, I've said numerous times that is just the starting point. We are then called to help people grow. We have to ask ourselves, are we just worried about getting people into heaven? If, if that's as far as it goes, they might not actually make it because they might not actually get it, even though they make some profession. We need to work harder and, and, and at helping people grow as followers of Christ. Well, friends, those are some lessons from the field. There's another lesson from the field in John chapter 4, in Matthew chapter 9, where Jesus says, look at the harvest field, look how white it is. And he says, we need to send out workers into the harvest field. There's another lesson from the field uh, that we can take that to see the harvest all around us. And not to look at the size of the church, but to look at the size of the harvest field. I've been around rather large churches different times in my ministry, and I'll say, you're excited that you're a church of 3,000 people, but your community is a community of 100,000 people. And so there's 97,000 people out there that still need to hear the gospel. Now, I mean, that that that's a generalization. I mean, it, it parses out a little bit differently, but there there, there might be, you know, 10,000 uh, uh, 10, that attend churches 
Well, that still leaves 80,000 people. There's a lot of work. We need to look not just at the size of the church, but the size of the harvest field. Well, friends, uh, hopefully this has made sense to you. Hopefully this has inspired you, encouraged you, convicted you. All of those things that you would live and that I would live, that we would live as followers of Christ. I'm going to get you on into your day. Lord, help us today to be fruitful for you. Uh, Help us to bear seed. Help us to bear fruit. Help us to uh, make the offer to to help other people uh, grow and uh, to realize, like is being said, someone said I've offered to, to disciple others. They've come for a short time, then left. And each time they see me, they apologize for not following through. I just pray for them. They have to want it enough to put in the time. That's exactly right. Sometimes they, they want to put in the time. Other times, maybe they're really not saved yet and not quite getting it. So, But Lord, help us. Help us to serve you. Help us to bear fruit for you. Help us to seek out your will Uh, and to seek out your desire. Help us to to have the desire not only for our own growth, but for the growth of others. Wherever we need to change, Lord, help us to change, that we would glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, that is a wrap for today. I will let you go. I will see you tomorrow. Have a great day, everyone.